the thought that God has kind of got going around my head uh, this morning, I want to put it up on the screen, this, this kind of thought and this idea. If we come to him, are we also willing to go with him? And many of you in this room would say that you've come to him. You're, you're a follower of Jesus. Some of you might not be sure about that and you're trying to wait it and check it out and that's fine. And I'll talk to you in a moment. But, but maybe for many of us, we've already come to him. Okay, and we've said, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to be a follower. We want to be one of yours. We want your name to be written over our lives. Here's the thought though. If we are going to come to him, are we also willing then to go with him? Because that's what it actually means to come to him. Not just that we come to him, but that we're also then willing to go with him. And if you've got a Bible, we're looking at Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words uh, will come up on the screen here. And uh, these are kind of the last words, recorded words that Jesus, some of the last recorded words that Jesus said to his disciples. He'd been crucified. He'd been put in a tomb. Uh, God had raised him to, to life again on the third day. And he'd appeared to disciples over 500 different people over a 40 day period. And then it comes to this point in Matthew 28, and it says this, Then the eleven disciples, verse 16, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. That's our title. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, not surely, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, let's break this down a bit. Verse 16, they went to this mountain where Jesus told them to go. Uh, Scholars and historians believe that this mountain was the mountain where Jesus spoke the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We've looked at some of those things in this series. Some of the things that Jesus said that we wished he'd never said were spoken on this mountain. And right at the end, Jesus says, go back to that same mountain where you heard me do all this teaching about what it means to be a follower, and I'm going to give you your final set of instructions. Now, in verse 17, it says, they showed up in faith to see the resurrected Jesus, but some doubted. So you've got to get this right here, okay, in your head. They showed up to see the resurrected Jesus. They could see the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes. Some of them worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Even though they're seeing him right in front of their eyes. Now the word doubt here in the original language is the word distuzo, which doesn't mean uh, unbelief. It means hesitation. It means they see him, they show up in faith and they see him, but they're a little bit hesitant. Now, just to try and describe the difference between hesitation and doubt, okay? I'll use myself as an example. One of the things that I'm not great at is heights. Anyone else don't like heights or is it only me that is a wuss? No, your wuss is as well, just like me. I don't like heights, but I love the experience. I love experiencing, so I love travel, but I don't really like being 38,000 feet in the air. Call me old-fashioned, but it's a long way to fall. I don't really like that. I love going to new cities, uh, and whenever I go to a new city, I always head to the tower, to the tallest tower. There's always towers in big cities, and I've been up many, many of the tallest towers in the world. And I love all that, but I'm hesitant I'm hesitant, okay, because I don't like heights. So for me, hesitation is that when I get to the top of the tower and I look out and I peer on the side, I'm hesitant, all right? Now, I've got a friend of mine, and and, um, uh, I'll introduce another friend of mine who's here this morning, but his name is also John. And uh, uh, when I was, uh, some years ago, we were on a skiing holiday together, a Christian skiing holiday, because it's hard following Jesus. 
It really is. And uh, we were on this um, uh, uh, chair, this ski lift. And as we come over the top of the mountain and we came down the mountain, I'm like, oh, I want to ski. And I know I've got to get up the mountain with this ski lift, but I hate the height. And it stopped. And uh, what happens, I hated it and it stopped and it broke, uh, okay, over this mountain. And I'm sitting on this chairlift and, and, and then the wind starts to come and it's a really long way down. And I'm hating it, but my friend is loving it. And so he's hanging out the side. He's wanting to make it move. I'm like, John, I'm going to kill you if you keep doing that, all right? Because to him, he had no fear, no hesitation, no doubt I did. For me, hesitation is that when I'm somewhere high, I step back. Doubt for me would be get me up in a plane and say, jump out. You've got a parachute on your back. Forget it. So for me, that would be like unbelief. I couldn't do that. But hesitation is not the same as unbelief. And here's the thing. These people showed up in faith, even though some of them were hesitant. It doesn't matter that you show up with hesitation. What matters is that you show up. And I want you to know this morning, some of you have hesitation in your spiritual experience. Some of you would say you are a Christian, but you have some hesitation. You have some areas that you're not quite sure about. That's okay. Just show up. Some of you are not yet sure whether you want to be a Christian. You have some doubts. You have some hesitations. You have some uncertainties. It's okay to have hesitation. It's okay to have some uncertainty. Just keep showing up. Because when you keep showing up, eventually God will meet you. And even with your hesitation, even with your uncertainty, you can move into an experience with God. You see, for me, I love this fact that the people that showed up were the ones that saw the resurrected Jesus. And the people who showed up were the ones that wrote the book of Acts. The people who didn't show up, we don't know who they are because they didn't show up. You see, the life we really want to live belongs to the ones who actually show up. They showed up even with hesitation. So if this morning you say, well, I've got some hesitation. I've got some questions. I've got some uncertainty about Jesus. Show up. Show up and do what he says and you will be amazed at how God uses you. Some of these guys and girls who, who had hesitation and doubt went on to write the book of Acts. They went on to do all the things that we celebrate because they showed up. Then in verse 18, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Let me have a question for you. Who has authority in your life? Is it Jesus? And if he is Jesus, does he have all authority or does he have some? You see, what is the authority? Not, is it your family? Is it your work? Is it money? Is it time? Is it your desires? Is it your ambition? Or is it Jesus? Because Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you come to him, there's got to be a moment in your experience when you transition from, I've accepted Jesus to actually all authority is my life. It's you. Jesus, you have all authority in my life. Whatever you say goes. And when we get to that point, that's what it really means to be a follower. Now it starts off and we're not quite sure about it and we're a little hesitant and we just follow him and that's fine. But eventually what happens is we come to a point where we say, God, Jesus, you have all authority and I'm giving you all authority in my life. And then out of that, Jesus then says, therefore, go. So if I have all authority in your life, and even with your hesitation, you show up, therefore go. And what Jesus says is go into the world and make disciples. In other words, introduce people into a relationship with me. Baptize them and then teach them how to live well and how to live right. Sounds so simple. We've all heard it so many times. Sounds so familiar to us. And we even nod and say, amen, all right, if we've been around church any number of weeks or years. But let's dig a little deeper into those two little words, therefore go. The dictionary defines therefore like this, for that reason, because of that, 
consequently. But if you look at the original word in the language that it's written in, it actually means by extension, something that follows on from another thing. Here's how the dots connect, is what it means. It's brilliant. So, so because Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, therefore, that's how the dots connect. Okay, that's what follows on. Consequently, go. If he really is the Lord and the Savior of your life, it follows on that you will want to go and share that news with other people. It's consequently, it's therefore, it's how the dots connect. It doesn't make sense without this connection. That's really what Jesus is saying. And it's written in the passive tense, so it literally should say, therefore, as you are going, make disciples, baptize them and teach them. So as you are going, so what does it mean to go? Well, well, where is he going? If we're going to follow him, you know, right at the start of the Gospels, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, religion says, change your life and then follow him. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus, no, you follow me and I'll change your life. Isn't that right? So don't, don't worry about changing stuff in your life. You don't need to worry about that. You just follow him. He'll do the changing. So you don't change and then you follow. You follow and then you change. But if you're following someone, you're going where they want to go. And where's Jesus going? Well, he's going into the world. And where God is wanting to go is into the world, into the brokenness of our world and to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the shalom. That's a Hebrew word for peace. It doesn't just mean peace like that. It means the goodness and the rightness of God. So wherever you're going in, your, in the world, you need to know that's where God's going. He's going into the broken, dark areas of our world and he's wanting to bring shalom. He's wanting to bring the kingdom of God. And we give this impression that if we didn't go into somewhere, God wouldn't go. I want to tell you, I want to break the, the, the bubble here over your life. God's already there. God don't need you, but he actually chooses to partner with us. So God is already there. He's wanting us to follow him and to go where he is already going. So therefore go literally means as you go through life, as you go, as you move towards people, tell them about me, show them about me, introduce me to them because as you go, I am already there and I'm wanting to partner with you. And it's almost like when you go, you unlock the power that's already there because I'm there. It's not like you take me, I'm already there, but I need you and I partner with you and I want you to be there. And as you go and as you move towards people, every conversation, every interaction, every opportunity, take it to witness for Christ. Put your hand up and say, I've seen him and I've gone something, I want to share something about him. That's what it literally means. So, so if that's what it means to go, who should actually go? Who is Jesus really referring to when he says, therefore go into all the world? It's Simon, right? And Leon, right? And the keen ones or the extrovert ones or the gobby ones. Now, actually, and you're going to hear this phrase a lot in this church. It's everyone, everywhere, every day. Can you hear that? Everyone, everywhere, every day. Anyone excited about that? Amen. Two of you. Everyone, everywhere, every day. That's what it is. Jesus is there for everyone, everywhere, every day, go. If you come to him... Are you also willing to go with him? See, when you see relationships falling apart in your office and you know it's not shalom, it's not kingdom, it's not cool, go. That's what Jesus would say. Everyone, everywhere, every day, go. Say, hey, guys, this isn't cool. This isn't good. There's a better way to do this. When you see people in your family or in your street or in your community in need, go. Everyone, everywhere, every day. When you see someone who doesn't yet know Christ, you walk across the room. And you say, hey, can I have a conversation with you? And it's, it's more than that. And you build relationship and all that. 
Some of you heard uh, last week's Simon's stories of what's going on in Simon's life and just this whole new dimension. And, and this is not just happening in his life, it's happening in lots of people's lives as well at the moment. It's almost like all around God is kind of doing something. And, and I'm not saying, and we're not saying you all have to be like this. But God is doing something in people's lives. In fact, I'm going to introduce my friend John to you in a moment. Not quite now. Just put the mic down, mate. Don't get too keen. But, but John, John is a good friend of mine. And we, we're a part of a group of, of, of leaders who feel spiritual responsibility for the black country. That sounds a lot, but we have. And we, for over 10 years, we've been walking together and things like the net and different business net and breakfast net and different events and networks and relationships that many of you will have heard about. And and we've been walking together, a group of about 10 of us, for at least 10 years. And um, every year we go on a retreat. And so this week we went on a retreat. We don't always go abroad, but we went to Spain this week for four days. What was fascinating about the four-day retreat was we did not have a single meal time where one of us didn't pray for somebody. And I've never known anything like that. So literally, somebody would say, I want to pray for that person over there. I have a word for them. And they get up and they walk and pray for them. Or, or there would be a waiter or a waitress or, or someone that, a musician that came past or someone selling um, sunglasses or whatever. And, you know, they thought they were selling us sunglasses and we bought a couple of sunglasses. Then we prayed for them. And, and I was in one and, and me and one of the other fellas went and prayed for um, the owner of the, of, the, of the restaurant and just wanted to bless the restaurant and bless the business. And nothing dramatic happened, but I really felt that I should talk to ask her about her children. In fact, I thought she was Spanish, but she was Romanian. And, and she lived in Spain for 10 years and her daughter was 14 who was living in Romania. I just really felt to pray for her and for their relationship. And it was really great just to see God at work. Everyone, everywhere, every day. And, and this, when I got back th this week, one of our ladies, Barbara, who many of you will know, was in the town and saw an altercation between an old lady and, and a man. And their cars had hit each other. And the man was shouting at the woman and it was all horrible and walked off, and, and, and Barbara just felt the Holy Spirit inside of us say, move, move, go, therefore go. And so she went, and she just said, hey, you okay? And she said, and I wouldn't recommend you always do this, this has to be God. She said to this lady, could I hug you? So don't always do that, all right, unless God has spoken to you, yeah, you know. But actually, the woman said, I would really love that. And she hugged her, and she said, could I pray for you for a moment? And that out there on the street, she prayed for her and she brought a little bit of the peace and the shalom and the kingdom of God. That's what I think it means. And that sounds quite dramatic, but, but it's really just responding to God saying, you can do something. As you're going, as you're moving through life, as you're interacting, as you're eating in a restaurant, on the way back on the plane, one of the fellas is sat next to this guy and this woman and, and one of the guys said to me, I'll sit down on my own, he said, because I need to do some work. And I've got two hours on this flight to do, to, do, to do two hours work. He didn't look at his iPad once. He spent the whole two hours talking to this guy and this girl. The girl was a glamour model. The guy was the photographer. The girl's uh, husband had died of motor neuron disease this year, so she'd had to return to glamour modelling. And he had a two-hour conversation with me on the flight on the way back. And it was amazing as we landed, I turned around and, and, and literally he was holding hands with these guys and praying for them and praying for Christ's presence in their lives. Everyone, everywhere, every day. Isn't that exciting? That's amazing. Like, is it only me excited? That's amazing. And that comes because Jesus says, if you've witnessed something, you've seen something, and you want to share it, go, go. It doesn't have to look like that, but it has to look like movement. There has to be some level of movement. And Jesus takes it a little bit further on in Acts chapter 1. 
So, so, so he kind of, he's still, he's still this post-resurrection thing. But in, in, in Acts 1, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, there's that word again, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus doesn't say, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends. It's not a strategic plan. Jesus says, in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the ends of the earth. And basically he says, everywhere, every day, Everyone, that's what he's saying. So Jerusalem is like that place closest to you. You know, that, that could be your family or your workplace. Okay, you've got to go there. That can be the hardest. Judea is like that. that that's the region. So, so we're familiar with the region. We're familiar with this, but it's a little bit further out. Maybe it's your neighbours. Maybe it's your, your, your extended kind of networks. Maybe it's your gym or, or wherever you hang out. Samaria, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They were so different from each other. Jesus says, go there as well. Go to the people who are really different from you, who you find difficult to connect with, who are, difficult, who are different socially, economically, culturally. Go there as well. And then, and to the ends of the earth. So wherever God leads you to go to the ends of the earth as well. And Jesus says, basically, so everywhere you go, every one of you, every day go. Can you go and can you share who I am? You know, the early church got this at first, but then they lost it. They lost it. And they turned in on themselves and their whole experience, their faith became all about themselves. It, it became all about Jerusalem. Can I just say, this is the biggest challenge for churches, or one of the biggest challenges. We so easily turn in on ourselves and our gatherings are all about us and our experience is all about us. And that's so not what Jesus said when he said, yes, come, but go. Come, but go. And God used two things to get the early church out from itself. He used persecution and revelation. Which would you prefer? Yeah, exactly. Well, let me give you some revelation there because God used persecution to get them out from themselves and he also used revelation. In Acts chapter two, when Pentecost fell and the Holy Spirit, uh, when, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and, and 3,000 people became followers of Jesus and Peter gets up and he explains what's going on. Uh, and he says this in Acts 2.29, the promise, which is the Holy Spirit, is for you and your children and all who are far off. And that literally is Jewish language for Gentiles, for people who are not like them. So it's this good news is for you and your family and everyone else who are not like you. But the problem was the early church believed that, but they turned in on themselves and it all became about them and Jerusalem. And they didn't want to go outside of their comfort zone. And then in Acts chapter 10, a guy who was not a Jew called Cornelius gets stirred up about God and he calls for Peter to come along and Peter doesn't want to go because this guy's not one of us. He doesn't want to go. And eventually, to cut a long story short, he does go and God challenges him about not calling unclean things that I've called clean. In other words, you don't like this guy and you don't like what he eats and you don't like his background and you don't like what he stands for, but I've made him and he's made in the image of God and I want you to go. And on that day, he goes and Cornelius becomes a follower of Jesus. And there are two conversions that day. One is Cornelius to Jesus. The other is Peter to the way and the heart of God. And I wonder whether we, as followers of Jesus, need a second conversion. Oh, that's difficult theology. Not just to Christ, but to the ways and the heart of God. Because when Peter gets it, all of a sudden the church expands out 
from Jerusalem and they go where Jesus is asking them to go. I want to say to you folks, if you're part of this church or you're thinking about being a part of this church or you're wanting to check it out, can I say, please do all you can to be here on the 18th and the 19th of October. At our vision gatherings, we want to share with you what we think is the biggest single shift in our history in terms of this issue of how are we going to reach more people? How are we going to go? And we want to share that with you on the 18th and the 19th. You see, for so long, churches are focused on bringing the people to the message. It's about time that we took the message to the people. We've got to bring people to the message. That's why Alpha is so important. But we've also got to bring the message to the people. One of the ways we do that here at this church is through, is through some of the many projects and activities that we've got. One of them, outstanding project, is the Black Country Food Bank. And many of you are involved in that uh, food bank. And uh, we run a food bank here in this church. This is one of 19 different distribution points across the black country, all networking together. And John, who's a great friend of mine, one of the leaders at Amblecote Christian Centre and also part of the food bank, he's going to come and share with us a little bit about one of the ways in which we're going and sharing the good news of Christ across our region. Why don't we put our hands together and welcome John. Thank you, Leon. Well, he's, he's nicked most of my script. He's took the mick out of me, but apart from that, all is good. So... Morning all and thank you to Leon uh, for allowing me to do this this morning. As Leon said, my name's John and I'm from the Black Country Food Bank. I just want to show you a little bit uh, about what's going on. As Leon said, we've got a main warehouse uh, that used to be here in this building, which is a little bit weird for me, just in that room over there. And we've now moved to Albion Street and that's where the main warehouse is. And then we have 19 distribution points around the Black Country um, that is delivering food and care. Community Zone is one of those and thank you to anybody who's here who delivers Community Zone from this church. It's a great distribution point meeting lots of people. We also have roughly 20 partner projects that we donate to on a regular basis with a variety of things, mainly our bulk items like pulses, rice, beans and therefore community meals for homeless, soup kitchens etc. But before I carry on with some stats and, uh, and some more info, I just want to show you a small video of what Black Country Food Bank does on the ground. I've become a single mum and struggled with bills and things and someone told me that Brawley Hill Project, they had a food bank scheme there and that I could get food. At first I wouldn't go. I felt like, oh, what are people going to think if I go there for food and things? There come a time and I thought, I'll have to go there. I need to feed my children. I need to sort these bills out. So I, I ended up at the food bank and I actually was given food. My children started going to the food bank because it's actually a drop-in centre as well. And they were going there to use the internet and computers and just basically to play pool and things that we didn't have money for at home. And my children asked me if I'd like to go there one day and I was a bit apprehensive. I thought oh, I want to go and see what my kids are doing and when I went there it was quite a relaxed atmosphere. People was all happy and asking how you are and would I like a drink and um, basically conversational with you. They're really nice people, happy to talk about anything with you. If I never made the decision to go to the food bank and find the support there that I did I don't think I'd have had a family. I think I would have got depressed and I don't know where I'd have ended up, but I wouldn't have ended up in a nice place.
I know if it weren't for the food bank, we'd have a lot of hungry, hungry people. But honestly, I wish there wasn't a food bank. I wish it hadn't come to that where people have to come and have food donated to them. Ten years, ten years have gone by since Black Country Food Bank started. Originally, it was intended just as a, a stopgap uh, for for people that were in crisis. A lot's happened in ten years. Um, We've gone from having just one distribution point to having 19 distribution points all around the black country. Through these distribution centres, we manage to feed approximately 20,000 people a year. That's provision of three days nutritionally balanced food, providing the breathing, breathing space to allow those people to get back on the right tracks. In a world where there's lots of bad news, this is a good news thing. We want to continue what we do, and we can only do that with your help. Food Bank changed my life, and I would hope that everyone that donates would continue to donate and help. There's other ways to help in the Food Bank. If you haven't got much, it doesn't matter. The littlest things help people and give people hope for the future. This doesn't happen every time, but the great news is Becky's also given her life to Jesus as well. Um, so it's amazing, really. Um, thank you, Lord. So you've heard some of the story there from Becky and Kelvin. Um, however, unfortunately, the need keeps growing with changes to the benefit system, universal credit taking hold, the local welfare assistance fund coming to an end shortly, and many other changes and tweaks. As money gets tougher in local authorities, the pressures on people's budgets and distribute their finances gets even harder, doesn't it? In 2015, meals provided in Dudley were 88,780, and the black country, Dudley, Warsaw and Samwell, because we're not in Wolverhampton at the moment, was 159,080 meals. So far, between January and August 2016, meals provided in Dudley, 57,600, and in the black country, 112,750. So across all three boroughs, this is approximately a 15% increase in provision between 2015 and 2016. Also, so far this year, we've provided 12,890 kilograms of food to partner projects. As I mentioned, these are community meal projects, mostly churches, mosques, temples and homeless shelters. So what I'm saying today and what am I asking you for? Well, firstly, awareness, really. I wanted you guys to be aware of what's going on on our streets, in our borough, in our region, really. Many of you will, but some of you won't. And as a church, we're trying to respond, and this is one way, as Leon said, and thank you for all you're doing. But please pray. Please pray for us. Please pray for the people that work in all these distribution points. And please, please pray for the provision. Secondly, thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for what you do in Community Zone, but thank you for what you do as a church. I know, knowing Leon, you do lots and lots of good stuff. So thank you. And finally, if you feel stirred and want to do more, we need donations of food and we also need money to run the, the, the vans, the warehouse, etc., etc. I'll be around at the back with some leaflets to, to break it down more and I'll talk to you obviously around that, tell you where our money goes to. But if you want to give financially, that would be great. So if I can finish now with a scripture and a principle. 
A friend shared this with me the other day and it really spoke to me. It's Old Testament, but in Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. Now, I know most of you are probably not farmers in this room today, so you don't need to harvest your crops. However, however, how many of us live to our means and keep pushing? How many of us leave that little bit to give away? How many of us think, actually, let's have that next holiday. Let's move to that bigger house. Or how many of us think, what's the margin that we're going to give away? That's what I want to challenge you with today. It's a big challenge on my life. How far do I push? How much do I leave? So thank you for listening. Thank you for this opportunity. I'll hand back to Leon. Let's... Just can we just stand for a moment? I, I just think it's right. Just let's just pray. Can we pray? Is that okay? Wasn't that? It's so sad that we need it, but it's so good that we can respond to it as well. So I want us just to pray for the food bank, okay? And so right where you are, you know, let's pray for John and pray for all the rest of the guys. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this great response, Lord Jesus, that we are, just a visible, tangible response, God, to to the, what you've done in our hearts, God, where we say, therefore go. You know, we, we read those scriptures where it says, you know, when, when did you see me? Well, well, well when, you, when I fed you, that's, you know, when, when you fed these, that's, you were doing it to me. When you clothed the naked, you were doing it to me. When you visited the prisoner, you were doing it to me. When you gave the thirst your drink, you were doing it to me. That's what Jesus said. God, we want to pray, Lord, for every one of these people. They're not statistics. They're people, Lord Jesus. Every one of those families. God, would you, would not when that, when that transaction, Lord, of, of food passing into someone's hand, God, we pray that it will be more than just food. God, we pray that there will be love, there will be affirmation. We pray that there will be Christ there. God, would you, would you present yourself every time a gift is given? So, Father, would you bless John and the team there who would do such an amazing job for the volunteers in our centre and all the other 19 centres. God, we just pray that you'd bless them. And Lord, for us, let us be a part of it as well. Maybe next time we go to Asda, we can throw some more food in. We don't need it. It's beyond the edge of our margin, as it were. And then, God, that we can bring it here and that we know then that it's going to go into someone's house and into someone's heart and into someone's life, Lord Jesus, and make an impact for you. So, Father, would you bless the work of this? And would you, would, would you just, yeah, just, just, just impact people's lives through this in, in ways that we can't even measure, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, guys. Take your seats. That's great. One of the ways in which we go, and um, but I think if we're really honest, when it comes to us responding ourselves and going, what are some of the things that actually stop us? And I thought I'd try and make it visual uh, for you this morning. So I've got a few props around here. And the first one is a comfort blanket. Anyone remember comfort blankets? If you've still got them, then you're very sad and you definitely need help. But I think we've all got our comfort blankets. We've all got our comfort. And that's one of the things that stops us. You know, when you're sat next to someone or when you're, like when Barbara's looking over the road and seeing a, a, a couple who are in a bit altercation, the comfortable thing is to stop, but the brave thing is to go. But you know, the Christian life that stays like this becomes the boring life that none of you want. You know that, don't you? William Wilberforce was, was a Christian guy in the 18th century who was, who was part of the abolitionist movement for the abolition of slavery. And he said this, It is inconceivable that we could be bored in a world with so much wrong to tackle and so much misery to alleviate. If you're a Christian and you're bored, something's wrong. Because we've got a world that is so much in need. 
And it's not boring when you're reaching out and trying to do something about the need that is in our world. But comfort often stops us. But secondly, weariness can stop us. Anyone ever felt weary? You might think, what on earth has that got to do with a robin? I've got no idea. <laughs> but I'll make it fit. No, it comes to do with this thing that I read on Facebook. Anyone, anyone know this? You're a night owl. Anyone is a night owl? Like you love being like, and you heard the expression early bird. Anyone an early bird? Well, I saw some on Facebook the other week. It said this, I'm not a night owl or an early bird. I'm a permanently exhausted pigeon. <laughs> I think some of us are like that, aren't we? We're permanently exhausted and we're weary. But you know, Jesus who said go is also the Jesus who said come. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the other thing that I think stops us is not weariness, but it's actually fear. And uh, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player who's ever lived, what they say about Michael Jordan that was so amazing is that he always wanted the ball. He always shouted for the ball. And even if he missed the basket, he always shouted for the ball. But when you've got fear, you don't want the ball. You don't have to look at my football team. Please don't look at my football team, all right? None of them want the ball. Because there's something broken inside their mentality and fear does that. But you know, we all can have a bit of hesitation and a bit of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing it anyway. It's shouting for the ball. It's being like a Michael Jordan who says, I might miss it, but you know what? Give it to me. Fear is what stops us. But when we shout for the ball, then we say, even with my fear, even with my hesitation, even with my doubt, I'm going to do it anyway. Don't let fear stop you. What else stops us? Well, I want to suggest that apathy stops us. And you might think, <laughs> we haven't stolen this. We've borrowed it. But 300 years ago, in uh, an island off Massachusetts in the north, north of North America, some of you will know this story. It, it, it's called Nantucket Island. And off Nantucket Island, uh, 300 years ago, lots of ships were wrecked on the rocks. And they died. And a group of volunteers were so impassioned that they said, we're going to set up a society, the Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Humane Society. And what we're going to do is that we're going to give our voluntary time to saving people's lives. And so what they did is they went out, uh, whatever the weather, for no money, for no fame, for no recognition, and they saved people's lives. But over the period of time, over the period of time, they, they, they began to get a little bit more wealthy. And they began to get a little bit more involved in stuff and their jobs were a little bit more demanding. So they said, you know what? Rather than us doing it, why don't we pay someone else to do it? So they started paying someone else to do it professionally. But here's the sad thing. They still carried on meeting as a group and they had dinners together every year. And they told stories every year about what they used to do. But nobody saved lives anymore. Because apathy had gripped them. And that's often what churches can become, isn't it? And some of you in this room, you've only become Christians in the last few weeks or months. We want to say to you, that is brilliant. You can still go now and share that with other people. But for those of us that have been Christians a long time, apathy is something that stops us going. We talk about saving lives, but nobody does it anymore. And there's a fifth thing that actually stops us going. And as I was praying about this, I really felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to share this with you. And the other thing that stops us going is dryness. We're so dry. We're so lacking in motivation. It's a little bit like we're a pot plant that's just been out in the sun way too long. And if you were to pour some water in it, it's still dry and it's still cracked. But you know, here's the amazing thing. Jesus who says go also says come. 
So many times in the Bible, he says, come. He says, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're dry. Come to me if you're weak. Come to me if you're worried. Come to me if you're troubled. It says in, in Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you're dry this morning, come to him, because he'll water you. If you've got apathy, come to him, because he'll motivate you. If you've got fear, come to him, because he'll give you courage. If you're weary, come to him, because he'll strengthen you. And if you're just too full of comfort, come to him because he might rattle you a little bit this morning. Jesus says, as you go. And finally, what happens? What goes with you as you go? Jesus says, as you go in, there's a promise. And Jesus says right at the end of Matthew 28, as you go, I am what? With you. Always to the very end of the age. As you're going towards people, I will be with you right there. As you're puffing and blowing because it's so hard in your Jerusalem, I will be there. As you're sticking out your chest to walk across a room and share faith with someone, I'm going to be with you. As you're getting to jump on a plane to cross a cultural barrier, I'm going to be with you. As you're facing up again to that fear and that addiction and that habit that you want to break in your life, Jesus said, I will be with you. How does he go with you? The, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, something amazing happens. Let me show you something that I've shown you before, but for some of you, you're newer, you'll need to hear this. I'm going to use my good friend, John. He didn't know this. Come here, mate. So I want you to imagine, okay, the Holy Spirit. How does it work that, that if I'm going to go, how does it work that the Holy Spirit comes on me and gives me the power I need to share Jesus? Well, in the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy called Gideon. And when God came and met Gideon, he didn't want to go anywhere. He was so weak and so fearful and so, so lacking in everything. And yet, and yet the, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and he said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. He said, you're joking, aren't you? I haven't got any strength. I've got nothing. He says, no, as you're going, I'll be with you. And then later on, it says in, in Judges 6, uh, in, in Judges 6, 34, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And the word there, spirit of the Lord, is the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. So if we imagine this to be Gideon, okay, all right, yeah, then, then what we imagine is that this is Gideon and this is God. And that somehow that when he goes with him, what he does is he puts God on, okay, this is a proper jacket, mate. He puts God on, okay, and out he heads into the world. It's like I get up in the morning and I open up and I think, right, I'm going to put God on and I'm going to go out into the world. But that's the problem is that's not actually what the word means. When it says he clothed himself, it's not that this is Gideon and this is God, it's the other way around. When God says, I'm going to clothe myself with Gideon, this is Gideon and this is God. It's not that we get up in the morning and say, can I put God on? It's that God says in the morning, can I put you on? Because I'm heading out to the world anyway. What I want to know is, can I wear you? Are you so surrendered that you are a set of clothes that I actually could inhabit and fill. And that as I move out into the world, thanks John, you can move out. As I move out into the world, I want to reach people through you. That's amazing, isn't it? Are you so surrendered? Am I so surrendered that every day I can say, Lord, today I surrender. Help me. I want to be a set of clothes that you could fill. And that as I go into the world, you could go in me and through me into a world in which you're already there. And ask the band if they come back. So are you ready? Are you ready to go? If we come to him, are we also willing to go with him? Everyone, everywhere, every day. Why don't we stand together? The end of our series. We, we wish Jesus had not said this. Because now we've got to choose. 
Are we a witness or are we not? Have we seen something or haven't we? Are we willing to put our hand up and say, I want to go? And I know for many of you, this is just going to go totally over your head and, and you'll go and you'll have your lunch and you'll have a great day. But maybe there's some of you in this room that the Holy Spirit wants to connect with you today. The life that you want to live, the life that you want to live is a life where you show up, even with hesitation. The life that you want to live is a life where you not only show up, but where you surrender. And when you say, Lord, I want you to use me. I want to be that set of clothes. I want to be available to you. I want you to fill me. And God, as I go, and as I move about in my world, and as I interact with people, I'm going to be open. And sometimes you'll go into Asda and you'll buy your stuff and you'll go home. Last night, my wife, Alison, she's away today. She went into Asda and she's at the checkout and, and, and she's engaging with the person at the checkout. And all of a sudden, they're having a conversation and, and, and she says, and Alison says, I hope you have a great evening. And the girl says to her, I won't because there's nobody in my life. And there at the checkout, she's just able to engage with her and bring her a little bit of hope and a little bit of peace. That doesn't happen every time we go into Asda, but sometimes we do. But if you're surrendered and you're open, and you might have some fear and hesitation, but you say, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm a witness. I've seen something and I want to say and share something. And I want to put my hand up. So is there anyone here this morning? And you want to say, Lord, I want to put my hand up. I want to be a witness. I'm not only going to come to him, but I want to go with him. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? You want to do that? Put your hand up with me this morning. Jesus, I want to thank you that we can come to you. But God, I want to thank you also that we can go with you. Holy Spirit, would you set a fire in our hearts now this morning, I pray, that Lord, as we respond to you, we're putting our hand up to say, here we are, we're available. We want to be that set of clothes that you wear. We want to be that voice. We want to be that hand. We want to be that thought. We want to be that heart. We want to be that person that you can inhabit. And God, as we are going around our world, everyone, everywhere, every day, Lord, we will see you break out. We will see you do amazing and phenomenal things. And Lord, maybe we'll get a bit of rejection. And maybe we'll, it'll get a little bit wrong and we'll have a funny story to tell. And God, nobody will die. But God, if we go, if we go everyone, everywhere, every day, God, we'll see you do amazing things and we'll live the life that we dream of living. We'll live the life that you live. And so Jesus, we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you fill our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you set a fire in our hearts, I pray. Would you set a fire, not for our sake and not for the sake of the church, but for the sake of you and your son and for the sake of this world that so desperately needs you. And whether it's Jerusalem or whether it's the ends of the earth, we will go, we will go for the sake of the world, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing, and this is a new song that guys want to sing and join in with us. And, and this is not just a song, this is a prayer. This is a real prayer. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. If you'd like prayer this morning, maybe for this issue, or, or maybe you've got sickness, or maybe there's areas, maybe when I went through these things, there's things in these that just spoke to you, and you say, that's me, I'm weary, that's me, the apathy, that's me, the fear. Then we have a prayer team that would love to meet you there in the prayer room, okay? at the end of the service. So let's just respond and let the Holy Spirit challenge you, speak to you. And as we sing this amazing song, for the sake of the world, set a fire in our heart. Let's believe then as we do that, as we sing that, that God responds to the faith that we give Him and that He will do that as we go. Thanks, Dan.